Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast where we explore and embrace the feminine genius in our everyday lives as women. I'm Chloe Langer, and in today's episode, I'm sharing my morning cup of coffee with Nicole Caruso, but let's be honest, it's more like cup of coffee number two, because life with a two-year-old and a two-month-old involves very little sleep. Today's episode is the first episode that I've recorded since welcoming our daughter, Ada Chaley, on March 30th, and it is so good to be back. I can't wait for even more conversations on the feminine genius with you throughout the summer and beyond. You might remember that Nicole was a guest on the Letters to Women podcast last July while she was still in the book writing trenches and the Worthy of Wearing movement was just starting. Well, we're sitting down again because Nicole's new book, Worthy of Wearing, was just published by Sophia Institute Press. Today, we're talking about why it's important that this new book features photos of real women wearing their own clothes, how it celebrates the incredible diversity found throughout women living out the feminine genius, and what modesty means for our daily life as Catholic women. Yeah, we're tackling the M word, and I think you're going to love what Nicole has to share about that topic. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all advice when it comes to our wardrobes and modesty, and you're ready for a refreshing conversation and a mindset shift around the way that we get dressed every day. Sister, this letter's for you. This episode of the Letters to Women podcast is sponsored by House of Joppa. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know how much I love House of Joppa. It's a modern store for beautiful, intentional, and Catholic gifts. And when it comes to pieces that I include in my wardrobe to remind myself that I'm worthy of wearing and remind myself of my God-given dignity, that includes a pair of Our Lady of Guadalupe earrings from House of Joppa. First, they're absolutely beautiful. They're designed by Emily Grace Creations, but they're also the perfect reminder of Our Lady's intercession. And I think of her every time that I look in the mirror when I'm wearing these. You can check them out through the link in the show notes. And remember that Letters to Women listeners get 15% off their order at checkout with Letters15. That's one word, all caps, Letters15. So check out the link to House of Joppa in the show notes or visit their website at houseofjoppa.com. Now, let's dive into this conversation with Nicole. Today, I'm welcoming back to the podcast, Nicole Caruso. Nicole is a professional makeup artist and beauty consultant, the former beauty editor of Verily Magazine, and a homeschooling mom of three. Nicole's mission is to inspire women to invest in their self-worth with her movement, hashtag worthy of wearing. She wants women to live an integrated life where faith and style meet. On her website, NicoleMCaruso.com, she shares expert style and beauty advice, tips on healthy living, and reflections on marriage and motherhood. She and her husband are raising their family right outside of Washington, D.C. Nicole, welcome back to Letters to Women. It's so good to chat with you again. Oh, Chloe, thank you for having me. It's such a great joy to be here. Absolutely. So we first chatted back almost a year ago in July of 2020 when Worthy of Wearing was an Instagram hashtag that I loved following. And then we were seeing the book come to fruition through the writing and editing process. So it's really beautiful to sit down and chat with you again as I'm sitting here looking at this book, Worthy of Wearing, in in the flesh, you know, outside of a Word document on your computer. That's incredible. It is a crazy feeling to hold something, as I'm sure you you know this feeling, you hold something that you've been working on as a labor of love and see it out into other people's hands. It's it's very humbling and very powerful. You know, for listeners who have not gotten the chance to meet you, could you tell me a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman and, and maybe a little bit of a life update, what, what life looks like for you since we last chatted back in last July? Absolutely. So, you know, as far as my story as a Catholic woman, I was born as a Catholic. Um, and I actually found out in writing my book that my baptismal day is on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which is so, uh, it really brought me to tears because my parents really did what they thought was best by giving me the sacrament, but we didn't live a life of intentional faith probably until I was about 16. Um, so it's been a journey since then of just having this reversion of just seeing the beauty of the Catholic faith and really. Um, really claiming it, really claiming it intentionally and saying, Lord, you know, I'm here, I'm ready, you know, I'm ready for all the graces. And um, he has just blessed my life so much. Um, And, 
you know, since we last talked last July, I mean, so much has changed and so much has <laughs> happened and, and there's been so much surrender. And, you know, I feel like God is always writing our story and, and inviting us to draw closer to him. And I really felt last year uh, through living through this pandemic that um, he was really asking a level of surrender and trust that I did not think was possible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, we had such a wonderful chat. And at the time we were living in a tiny apartment. Um, I had just had a baby that April and, um, I had this book that I was in the midst of writing that was truly not being written because it was just nearly impossible to find time for quiet and thought. Um, so, you know, as you do during a pandemic, you really contemplate your life choices. <laughs> you <laughs> contemplate, you know, what, what is the meaning of life? What do we want as a family? And I think my husband and I, you know, we just had, to make a change um, for our home life. We had to move out of the, the city, move into a bigger space, give our kids a yard. And um, it was a lot of change, but so much beauty and, and goodness has been brought through that. Um, but also just a massive amount of surrender of saying, okay, Lord, this book is not gonna be written in a very cute DC cafe with a Parisian playlist, uh, you know, with endless cups of coffee. This book is gonna be written while there's a baby nursing and I have one free hand and it's, uh, you know, midnight and the whole family's asleep. So, uh, you know, writing, writing this book was a labor of love, but it is, it is just a gift to see it um, out. And it's just a wonderful gift that I get to share that part of the journey um, with you, Chloe. So thank you. Yeah, I feel like 2020 was the year of surrender. That is so true. Where I think about all the plans and all the ways that we we wanted things to kind of look like that year and, you know, making these resolutions in January 2020 without knowing what was going to come down. But it's been really beautiful to see the way that the Lord has worked through what seems like a total crazy mess. But to see so much beauty come out of that year has been incredible. You're so right. I mean, I think it's easy to kind of look at all the negatives and say like, well, this happened and that happened and I missed this and I wasn't there for that or we had to postpone or, um, but I look at the grace of the interior work that happened last year um, and I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm not grateful for the the destruction and the suffering in, in some ways because it was so hard to bear. But when you see the fruit of it, you know, I have these rose bushes now and I've I've learned that the more you pick off the the roses after they start to wither a little bit, the more beautifully big and full new roses grow in its place. And I feel like that has just been a metaphor for my life this last year. Um, the more pruning and the more, you know, picking at these sort of withering roses, the more beautiful new roses grow in its place. So yes. um, for anyone listening, if you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a stage of pruning right now, know that there is some beauty around the corner. Speaking of beauty, let's chat about this book. I love how in the introduction to your new book, Worthy of Wearing, you start out by talking about what this new book is not. It is not a one size fit all. It is not a buy this, not that guide to style. And you talk about how Worthy of Wearing is really a mindset and a thought process. And so for listeners who maybe are hearing this phrase Worthy of Wearing for the first time, can you tell me a little bit more about what that phrase means exactly? Yes. Uh, you know, this, this phrase started as a hashtag of just chatting with girlfriends on social media. Like, aren't we worthy of wearing those things in our closet that make us feel good? Why are we saving them for another day? And what I came to find out through my own experience and through hearing the stories of these women is that um, we have all been, uh, we, we've all fallen into this um, habit where we save these beautiful things and think, well, not today. You know, and, and really at the heart of that issue, when we look, we try to uncover what's the root of the reason why we, we do that, it's because we just don't feel like we're special enough or that 
living a daily life in the home or just, you know, going about an ordinary life isn't worthy of looking nice and presentable or, or even just feeling like, oh, wow, I feel good today. You know, we kind of save that for like big occasions like weddings and parties. <laughs> and I think, you know, each day that we have is a gift, truly. And so this idea that we're worthy is a mindset because um, our Lord showed us in his passion, death and resurrection that we are worthy of his love. And that sense of worth comes only from him. Um, but as we try to represent that we are Christians, that we follow Christ, we have such a, a responsibility to be a mirror of his love, to be a mirror of his goodness and virtue. And I think one way we can do that is by caring for our physical body as well as our as well as our spiritual lives. And so, you know, worthy of wearing is like, okay, let's let's throw on the dress we feel good in. Let's take the time for prayer and let's go about our day in a way that's so much more intentional, um, where we are feeling confidence, not just from the clothing. I, you know, I don't want to confuse that there. The clothing is not what makes us worthy, but we can delight in something. We can find joy and find confidence in something that allows our Christ-centered uh, hearts to shine through. I love that distinction too, because I think while reading through the book, what really struck me was this isn't a book about my exterior. This is a book about an integrated life in which I'm I'm making time for the growth of my interior life. And as I'm growing in my confidence and that identity as beloved daughter, that's then spilling over intentionally into the way that I present myself to others and present myself to myself too, I think, especially as I'm in the season of staying at home with, with little kids. Um, and just, I think, that integration of the interior and the exterior and living with a recognition that we are bodies and souls is so important as women today. You're so right. And and we're modeling this for our daughters. You know, when, when we, I, I first felt this tug toward wearing something beautiful after my daughter was twirling around saying, mama, mama, you know, get dressed with me. Let's wear something pretty today. And, you know, she was only two or three years old. So um, that little invitation from such a pure soul um, to me was such a, a gut check because I had just been sort of saving that part of my life for another time. And she gave me this invitation that, you know, today's the day. Like mm -hmm. we have this phrase that we like to say at, here in our house that, you know, today's a great day to have a great day. And, um, you know, sometimes getting a little dressed up to have a great day can make all the difference. You know, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking at this book while I'm chatting with you. I know that a podcast is never going to do this book justice. It's just not like we could talk about this for three hours and we're still not going to be even scratching the surface of the beauty that this book is. But one of my favorite aspects of the book when I was looking through it when I first got it and as I've continued to reread it is that it has these beautiful, gorgeous photos of real women, many of whom I know faces that I recognize from the <laughs> Catholic Instagram world, from from friendships and women who've been on the podcast and things like that. But I love that you write that they're wearing their own clothes. Tell me about the creation of this book and what it was like to create a book that is so visually appealing and beautiful. You know, when I first talked to Sophia Institute Press about this book, I had a very specific vision and I and I was very upfront about that with them. And they were so gracious um, and supportive of the vision. Uh, and there was just, to me, there was no way we could share this message without giving proper um, visual context to the, the, what we're, what we're trying to teach in the book. And so, um, I just had this image of the beauty of the, tr the face of the church, you know, in God's creation, there are so many different types of beautiful women with, you know, different backgrounds, different body types, different smiles, different hair, different eye colors. And I wanted there to be a very small glimpse of that in the book because 
as someone who grew up reading magazines and grew up, you know, as I worked in the fashion industry, there was always this very kind of small hole of like, this is what we consider beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like God, you know, in his ultimate, uh, create as he, as the creator of the universe said, this is what I believe is beautiful. And look at the human race. I mean, how beautiful, um, all these different ways that we can see it. So that was an important part of the book. Um, and the other part, like you said, was, was showing the reality of there's no Photoshop. There's no stylist with racks and racks of designer clothing. These women shopped their closets, uh, partially for practical reasons and also partially to show women out there reading this book that this is possible. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need a, a huge bank account to have great intentional personal style. You can cultivate that at any budget and truly let your style be an expression of yourself. And I think it comes through in the pages, you know, the joy, like I flip through and I see the smiles and I find myself smiling. Mm -hmm. And um, that was what I wanted. I wanted women to feel the joy of what it looks like to be an authentic uh, women of faith, but also someone who looks presentable and who has that natural joy, joyful demeanor. Yes. I think that struck me as I was flipping through the book as well. Uh, the pictures just honor so well, the incredible diversity in the life of a Catholic woman. I think a lot of times we fall into the trap of thinking, well, to be a good, holy Catholic woman, I have to look like this or read these books or say these things or have my interior life look like this. And I think what is incredible about this book is it honors the diversity of the feminine genius, but it also, like you said, every, there's just an an overall encompassing joy, that unifying aspect that comes from women who are living confidently alive as daughters of God. And so I think that the photos in this book just capture that perfectly. Thank you so much. I, I love how you said that the unifying aspect. It's so true. You know, our beautiful Catholic faith is universal. And yet there are so many devotions within the faith that different people have, you know, there's the more contemplative devotion, there's the more charismatic devotion, some people love the rosary, other people feel so close to Christ veiling in mass, you know, we have all of these different expressions within the church. And I think, um, you know, it, it, I wanted there to be a little bit of that a little taste of that so that people who maybe don't understand the Catholic faith can look at this and say, wait a minute. <laughs> These women uh, have a have a strong devotion to God and yet they look so joyful. They look so stylish. I want to meet this woman, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I had that so that so much as I was looking through this book. I was like, oh, I just, I want it to be at this photo shoot. And then I want to go grab coffee with these women. And I just want to exist and live life with them. It's such an in invitation to, to flip through this book and realize there are women who are fully alive, who are joyful and living out their Catholic faith and honoring their dignity as women. And that is so appealing, I think, as a Catholic woman. Yes. And I, you really hit the nail on the head. We can evangelize in this way. We can, you know, teach others by just the simple way that we live our life by smiling at someone who's, you know, we're holding a door for, I mean, these simple, simple things can create connection with people and create a heart connection. And I write about that a little bit in the book because, um, you know, yes, it's an exterior thing, but you know, we are sometimes taken by beauty and that can starting a conversation with someone by simply saying, Hey, your shoes are really nice. You yes. know, where'd you get them? You know, something like that can really launch into something much more deep and, and can create a beautiful relationship. You know, as I was reading your book, chapter three is about cultivating the sense of self-worth. And I think that's such a beautiful reminder 
that seeing ourselves as worthy comes with practice. It comes with cultivating that mindset. Can you tell me about what your own journey of self-worth has looked like? How have you learned from experiences of things like doubt and shame or fear that you may may have questioned your worth as a daughter of God? You know, I really from a young age experienced um, bullying and didn't until I was probably like after high school, didn't really make the connection of how that was holding me back. Um, I had been teased. I had been called goody two shoes, you know, because I loved school. I loved participating in uh, conversations with my teachers. I've always loved reading and just found it very natural to be in a classroom and found that, you know, classmates that didn't quite uh, understand or, you know, just felt the need to, to tease or um, it was so difficult to then have confidence. And I literally, once I think I got to sixth grade, just stopped raising my hand in class because I was like, I'm so done, like having to deal with the aftermath of knowing the answer or the aftermath of sharing my you know, experience and, and answering a question that I just would rather be silent than deal with somebody making a comment or watching two people snickering and pointing, you know? Mm. Um, and, and I share a few, a few times, a few experiences in the book, um, where I just felt so alone because of this. Um, and then there were different experiences, even working in the fashion world where I remember one day, uh, I was hitting the elevator button and my wedding ring flashed and the woman standing next to me waiting for the same elevator was like, wait a minute, you're married. Oh my goodness. And I looked at her and like my face turned red mm. <laughs> because I was like 24 at the time. And she was just scandalized that I was married at 24. I mean, mm. scandalized. So, you know, just having these different experiences of feeling like I should be ashamed of my faith. I should be ashamed of my morals ashamed of my even likes and dislikes, um, made me feel like, gosh, what is, what, what is my self-worth? What is my, am I valuable? Like, or do I just need to keep trying to follow the culture and blend in so that people will like me Mm -hmm. and so that I won't make people uncomfortable by just simply being here, you know, by being present. (laughs) And so that was a very big journey of, you know, spiritual direction, uh, therapy, uh, you know, reading um, spiritual books, going on retreats, um, just all of these different resources that could kind of help me understand who I was and who God made me to be. And it was a long time coming. I mean, I sometimes call myself a late bloomer because I'm in my early thirties and I feel like I'm starting to understand my mission, (laughs) you know, and some people just seemed like they knew everything they wanted to do by the time they were in 10th grade. So that was just not my experience. (laughs) Oh man. Thank you for sharing that. I think too, just reflecting on your journey where you see the ways that people making fun of you and bullying you as a kid has, has impacted your story. And then to think about, I love how you mentioned your daughter and and the way that we impact our daughters and, and as women who mother, you know, thinking of mothering as a verb and mother those around us in that spirit of nurturing, how much the opposite of that can also impact other people's stories. You know, you think of the ways that snide comments or, you know, something that someone said, even possibly without thinking can impact us that we're unpacking in therapy years later, but then how to, how much beautiful beauty can come from nurturing and seeing and knowing and loving the other, especially in a world, I think where it's easy to just kind of fall into this trap of comparison when it comes to our relationships with other women. Oh my gosh. I saw that so clearly when I started working as a makeup artist, because, you know, it's a very funny thing. It's a very funny industry. You have someone literally walk off the street, 
sit down in your chair and start telling you about their skincare concerns, their insecurities of why they can't wear a certain shade of lipstick or, oh, no, 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 I shouldn't wear blush. My mom told me never to wear blush, so I can't, you know, and <laughs> and just having these, these, you know, these conversations that start with lipstick, skincare, I have acne, I have age spots. And then, you know, by the time that the the whole makeup routine is finished, they're telling you how they have wounds from their childhood. They have wounds from a family member um, that that really affected their confidence and really made them feel like there was this section where they were, you know, don't go here. You know, this is not for you, you know, and um, I would sometimes go and like literally tear up in the bathroom after working with clients because... <laughs> I just couldn't believe um, the things in the stories that I was being trusted with. It was it was just a humbling experience. But I also had this experience where I said, you know what? Maybe your mom told you not to wear blush because of X, Y, and Z reason. I want to try a blush on you. Just l let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. If you hate it, I got the makeup remover right next to me. <laughs> and, you know, so many times it was just giving women permission to try something new. If you hate it, you hate it. That's it. We're, it's over. But if you love it, and it's it could be your new favorite thing. I mean, I say that to my kids when I'm trying to get them to try a new food. I'm like, but what if it's your new favorite? You might love this forever. You have to try asparagus, you know? <laughs> Um, and, and I, and I think we can be the same way. We can really limit ourselves and, and put ourselves in this box. And Christ does not put us in a box. He has just the most beautiful dreams for us. And if we just can let him in, if we can let him see all the things that we're even just afraid to reflect on ourselves, let him in to heal that, um, so much beauty can come from that. And that's why personal style is not about dressing like Nicole Caruso or Chloe Langer. Yeah. Personal style is so about the person, their story, their their unique presence in the world. And Christ will reveal that to them. Yes. I think what's beautiful about this conversation about personal style is that it's rooted in something deeper where it, it but it also includes a lot of steps of vulnerability and trust, right? Of peeling back those layers that we've maybe put over our own story or hiding behind things that we don't want to, you know, have come to the light. Um, and how that really does come out when you're having a conversation about self-worth. And I think too, how that comes out when you're striving as a woman to create places for other women to unfold and be confident in and to be themselves in how much more so that's possible and natural when you have experienced that yourself, when you've been able to give yourself a place to unfold and a place to see your story instead of having it folded up and, you know, wadded in the back of a closet because you don't want to look through it. You're so right. And, you know, with this exploration of what it means to know this feminine genius that we've been given, and I love John Paul II's writings on this, um, and I know you do too, so we have that shared shared love of his teaching, um, you know, that receptivity of others, you know, how how do we take care of ourselves so that we can receive others well? You know, it's impossible to have a cheerful disposition with your kids when it's been days since you've showered, you haven't eaten a full meal other than a bag of chips and some, you know, black coffee. And, you know, you can't pour from an, a, you know, an empty cup. And I had a priest tell me that in confession one time, and it was such a healing moment for me because I truly didn't feel like it was okay to take time for myself as a mom, but, you know, because little kids, they depend on you for everything. So you feel selfish 
saying, hey, honey, can you sit down and play blocks while mama does her makeup? Or, hey, could you, you know, let me go put on a, a YouTube video of like the Franciscan friars praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet so I can go put my pants on without somebody hurting themselves, you know? <laughs> um, you know it's, you know, but we've, we have this idea that it's somehow selfish to care for our physical bodies. And, I, and I've seen this perpetuated a lot in faith communities. So I felt like there was there was a space to chat about this with women. And, and obviously, that's going to look different for each of us. That's truly what it means to have the feminine genius, to know that you're a unique person, is that we can't compare. And because we can't compare, we also can't judge. And I think that's where we see a lot of a lot of hurt happening when we judge a mom for oh well she's doing this in order to get ready for her day or she's doing that and and that's not what i do and that's not what works for me therefore it must be wrong or bad or shameful and it's like okay wait 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 <laughs> only our lord can judge you know and we're truly when we are truly striving for holiness and and striving to live a life of virtue um are we going to do it perfectly no um, but you know, it, it is going to look different for every person and we have to just celebrate that. And, you know, if, I've said this in my book too. If you feel like you're watching someone stumble, um, rather than judging her, befriend her, you know, create a space where she can feel accepted and then use that relationship to teach her in a very gentle way by just living your own life, you know, by your example, um, rather than kind of shaking the finger at people, because that does not create a loving place where someone can learn. It creates shame. It closes the door and it prevents people from seeing what it could look like to maybe change the ways that are pulling them away from God, you know, mm -hmm. rather than saying like, Oh, okay. She was so kind to me um, that maybe there is something to this, you know, maybe I should explore what this means. Yes. I think that's the beauty of the both andness of an understanding of Catholic evangelization where it's both creating a space for people to be known, seen, and loved where they are at, while also knowing that there's an ideal to strive for. And I think that finding the order and the balance of that in conversation with other women is something that's an art that we can grow in, that's a, that's a skill that we can grow in. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts, especially, you know, we're sitting here recording as we're getting ready to get into the summer months. This podcast is coming out in June. And I think a lot of conversation heats up in the summer about, I love how you phrase this in the, in the book, the M word with modesty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is modesty? What does it mean for our daily life as Catholic women? But then also too, how does that integrate with what we were just talking about when it comes to seeing other women um, and, and what they choose to wear in the summer and the way that we interact with that as their friends or maybe even as a stranger? Yeah. I mean, this is such a d difficult topic because the the people that I have you know, talk to about this have ranged, you know, some people are like, look, I just want like a set of rules. Like, I just want to know the length of the skirt. I want to know about the spaghetti straps versus the tank straps versus the, you know, the shirt that comes down to the elbow. Like someone just tell me the rules and I would love to follow them. And I'm like, look, it is not that simple. Um, you know, I wish it was, but it's not. And, and the reason why is because there are different our bodies are all different. So what may look modest on one woman may look immodest on another woman. And we just have to know um, what works best on our bodies. But speaking about the M word and what it, what it means is it, it truly is a virtue. And when we think about what virtues are, you know, these are things we can pray to increase in. So if modesty is something that you are struggling with, you can pray, Lord, increase this virtue of modesty in my life. Help me to understand it. Help me to live it out. Just like we can ask to be, to have an increased faith. 
an increased love, you know, an increased hope, um, we can ask for an increase in modesty. But also seeing that modesty is not just about how low your V-neck is. You know, modesty is a complete, um, uh, it's more holistic than that. It, It includes the way that you speak, the way that you behave and teach others. And the word modesty in and of itself is a simplicity. And so that's where I feel like Worthy of Wearing comes in because I want women to feel they have a simplicity in getting dressed every day that is so effortless that it both looks effortless on the exterior, but it also literally takes you five minutes. Like we don't need to spend 30 minutes getting dressed every day. <laughs> we don't have time. Um, you know, so, but, but back to your question about the summer and about, you know, dressing, you know, dressing our bodies in a way that is, that, you know, adds to our dignity, represents our dignity rather than detracting from our dignity. Um, I think the first thing is just being able to know what suits your body right now, not the body you had before you had a baby, not the body when you were a, you know, you were an athlete in college, not the body that you're wishing you had the body you have today. Um, because when, once we can sort of just have some self acceptance of like, Jesus loves me right now today, no matter what size my pants are or what dress size I'm wearing, I think that's when um, we can just be a little bit gentler with ourselves. And then in that same vein, um, wear clothes that actually fit rather than wearing things that are like the size we want to be. And that that might be too small. It might be ill-fitting and it might actually look immodest because we're simply trying to fit in a size two when we're not a size two. Um, you know, there's, there's ways that we can literally feel more comfortable physically too. I mean, if you're wearing pants that are too small, it's going to cut off your circulation. It's going to literally hurt to digest a meal, (laughs) you know? And so why not just buy the pants that fit so that you're physically comfortable and, um, and you're feeling like it, it actually suits your body size and shape, you know, and we're all made differently. So I go through the book about, you know, measurements, torso length. Um, ways that we can find harmony in creating, you know, with clothing, how to create harmony with clothing on your body in a way that looks beautiful and effortless and, and, and stylish. And I think modesty is ultimately just an expression of who you are in a way that really acknowledges and respects your God-given dignity. So it's going to look different on every person. We don't have a rubric that, you know, but I think the thing to keep in mind is, is this distracting? Is this distracting to me? Is this distracting to other people? Is my V-neck walking into the room first before I even get to speak? You know, mm-hmm. is my, it, it, it can be the same as like, you know, am I, am I an angry driver? Right. <laughs> and all people are seeing is my angry driving and they have no idea the burden I'm carrying or they have no idea my story, you know? Yes. Um, let's give people a chance to get to know us in a, in a much more holistic way by dressing ourselves in a way that truly represents this beautiful life we've been given and and doesn't sort of let something else speak before we get to. You have this beautiful line in the book where you talk about the self-forgetfulness of, you know, being able to be, you know, have a, an, an outfit, a makeup routine, a skincare routine, a prayer life where that's integrated. It's part of your day. It's like the air you breathe. It takes, like you said, it takes five minutes to get dressed and how much that enables us then to be truly present with others. When I'm not babysitting a top that I wore because I, you know, it, it fit maybe six months ago and I really want it to fit now, but it doesn't. And now I'm constantly pulling it up during a conversation so much so that I can't be present. Or, you know, the jeans that I want to fit in post baby that are so uncomfortable that, you know, I'm grumpy with my kids because I tried, gosh dang it, I'm going to 
I'm going to fit into them. <laughs> I'm going to try my dang best. And it, you, you do see how much that impacts. Like when I'm, when I am not honoring my dignity with the way that I am treating my body, with the way that I'm treating my soul, then it makes it really hard to honor the dignity of others. You're so right. I mean, we, especially, you know, as women are called to be nurturing, we're called to this maternal love that whether we have children or not is something that God needs from us, you know, in order to, to bring more authenticity and, and care into the world. Um, and when we're so distracted by how we have not cared for ourselves, or we're so distracted by, um, how uncomfortable we feel physically, Um, whether it's because, whether it's, we're uncomfortable because we have, we're running out to the grocery store and we wish we didn't wear our pajamas, but we did, (laughs) or, you know, we're uncomfortable because our skirt feels a little bit short and we keep, you know, making sure it's still there. Keep putting the hand on the thigh, making sure it's not riding up. Um, it is so difficult to be present and cause you're constantly thinking of yourself. So I think there's been this sort of paradigm shift of like, wait a minute, I can, be more present to people and think less of myself after taking care of myself. Like, how does that work exactly? You know, but um, it's so true. I, I've found the days that I am like in the trenches of motherhood, like having showered in the pajamas. I don't know what's going on with my hair. My skin feels, you know, uncomfortable and itchy and, and oily. Um, those are the days that I like keep pining for a shower. I keep pining for five minutes of alone time. It's the days that I'm like, okay, kids, mama's going to pray. Okay, kids, mama's going to get dressed that I am like, okay, I'm dressed. I've prayed. Let's do this. Like, let's go about our day. (laughs) And it's, it's a great, um, it's just a great practice to get in the habit of. And I think it does. It takes some time, just like any new habit. It's, it's going to take some time and some getting used to both for yourself and for your family. Yes. Yes. I love that too. Cause it's an acknowledgement that, you know, you are an individual and for a lot of women who are listening, you also live within a family. Um, and, and that is integrated as well. You know, for women who are listening, they're like, yep, that's me. I, I want to dive into this more. I feel like I need some encouragement when it comes to this, where can listeners pick up a copy of worthy of wearing and how can they connect with you after listening to this episode of letters to women? Well, I would love to connect more with these lovely ladies listening today. So they can um, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at NM Caruso. We also have a page worthy of wearing where we share um, more content related to this beautiful message. And then I also have a website, NicoleMCaruso.com, where I share kind of more blog content, lifestyle content. And then we have WorthyOfWearing.com, which is all about the book. And you can buy the book either from SophiaInstitutePress.com slash wow, or you can look for the book on Amazon. Perfect. You know, Nicole, you and I have talked about this question before, this last one that I use to wrap out every interview, but I'm really excited to hear the answer, especially after the year that has passed since we last chatted. Um, The question is this, how do you live out the feminine genius in your everyday life as a Catholic woman, especially as a woman who's really encouraging and reminding women that they are worthy and that they're beloved? I think this is the, the best way that I can live this out in my everyday life is by authentically accepting Christ's love every single time he asks me to trust him. And I think that's where, um, you know, we can talk about being worthy all day long, but if we don't allow him in and truly abandon our life to him um, every single day, it's so hard to live this out. So for me, that looks like complete surrender to Christ. Um, when, you know, no matter how bumpy and crazy life gets, knowing that he is wants the best for me and he will provide 
always for everything we need and sometimes the things we want to. <laughs> he loves to surprise his his girls. Um, so, you know, living this day, living out the feminine genius for me is definitely an art of surrender to Jesus. Mm, that is absolutely beautiful. Nicole, thanks so much for coming back on Let Us Woman. Thank you for the beauty that is this book. And then for just, yeah, sitting down and, and sharing your morning cup of coffee with me. This has been a delight. Oh, I'm so, it's always wonderful to chat with you, Chloe. You have such a beautiful perspective and I'm so grateful that we've gotten to know each other over this past year. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Check out the show notes for this conversation with Nicole over at letters to womenpodcast.com or just scroll down to browse through links to Nicole's website, her new Worthy of Wearing book, and those House of Joppa earrings that I mentioned in the intro to today's episode. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast so you don't miss a single new episode. And if you're an Apple user, it would be so appreciated if you left Letters to Women a quick review to let me know how I'm doing and to tell other women about why you like the show. Every time I see a new review pop up, I do a little dance and I love getting to know why you love the show show and the conversations that are happening in this space. If you want more conversations like this, check out the new Letters to Women book, Letters to Women, Embracing the Feminine Genius in Everyday Life. It's published through Tan Books and it features 30 letters from different women and they're written to encourage and accompany you in your own exploration of the feminine genius. And you can find the new Letters to Women book at tanbooks.com, wherever you find books or at your local Catholic bookstore. Check out all the behind the scenes info over at my Instagram account at letters to women underscore podcast. I recently had a ton of fun making an Instagram reel, busting the myth that the Catholic church hates women. So if you want a good laugh today, head over to the gram. That is all I have for today's episode. So until next time, be not afraid. <laughs>